Seven times the righteous fall and get up, said King Solomon, while the wicked are tripped by a single misfortune. Oh Lord, help us to stay the course, and may our failures only pave the road to victory. I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is the Jewish Heroism Project. A heroic thought on resilience. You know, here we are tracing the Torah's heroic face, finding what the paths are in our journey toward Jewish heroism. We've touched some archetypes and some essential ideas, personalities which must be understood, but I want you to know that heroism also has certain essential qualities. I like to think of them as treasures or charms. For those D&D geeks out there like me, it's a plus five sword that's going to allow me to slay the dragon and the magician. And like those talismans of power in the legends of heroism that we read or the games that we play, these essential qualities of heroism can be gained along a heroic journey. And in fact, sometimes they're the purpose of a particular trip that we take in life. Call them a side quest. It might appear to be a diversion from the immediate pursuit, the ultimate pursuit really, of the goodness of creation, which is our overarching quest. But when we open ourselves to obtaining these essential qualities through the path on which we find ourselves right now, ultimately, they're what equip us to be the hero that will reach redemption. And I want to say that in my eyes, the current challenge that we're struggling with as a people is the long haul. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, how long is this going to go on? I hear it from my kids, from my neighbors, from the people I work with in counseling. And it's not just the length of the war per se. It seems to be the uncertainty by the constant change and challenge that the situation presents. So I want to give you a metaphor, which will perhaps be helpful to kind of internalize this. Imagine that you're on a canoe. If you've never been on a canoe, hit pause right now go out and get a life. You need to explore the world, people. But if you have been on a canoe, well, you know there's two modes that people are familiar with. Standing on the bank, looking at the river, and sitting in the boat, floating along on the current. Those are both fairly stable. When you're on the bank, there's nothing to worry about. Solid ground, right? When you're in the boat, even though it may feel a little bit rocky, the truth is, is a canoe is quite a stable vehicle. The real difficulty comes when you want to get in or out of the boat. Right? Then, each ripple on the water, every breeze, every pebble on the shore, when you have one foot in and one foot out, suddenly become a matter of tremendous crisis. So, le ma davar doma, what's the nimshal? What am I talking about? We're a people that was in exile for 2,000 years, out on the river, floating around, knowing with a perfect faith that one day we would come home, but frankly, from a practical perspective, not having any idea how that would happen. Suddenly, about 100 years ago, we got a bee in our bonnet that the time had come, and we began to take practical steps out of the boat back onto land. And here we find ourselves today, deep in the struggle to actually return physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, to being a people in our land again, and lo and behold, the situation is somewhat unstable. And to survive and thrive when we got one foot in the boat and one foot on the shore, we require resilience. Resilience is actually one of the 26 paths of Jewish heroism. Now, the concept has its origins actually in the world of physics and material science, right? The property that certain materials have, which allows them to return to their original state 
after having received some sort of impact, a war, or a gut punch. And when you have mental resilience, then you have the capacity to rebound from a setback or a challenge. So that sounds pretty important in light of the world in which we face today. The word in modern Hebrew for resilience is chosen. And it is an essential quality, one of the 26 paths in our pursuit of Jewish heroism. So let's dig a little bit at the roots and see what we find. In biblical Hebrew, chosen appears as a type of power or strength. And there are many sources of strength. So in order to appreciate this one and to differentiate it from the other types of strengths, we have to really get at its source. Where does chosen come from? And furthermore, God willing, understanding where it comes from will help us to cultivate this crucial, essential quality, this new path of Jewish heroism. Now, chosen can be the power that comes from having accumulated resource. It appears in Proverbs 15.6, if you want to look it up. It says, Beit tzadik chosen rav. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure. However, tuat rasha niharet, right? But the harvest of the wicked is troubled. Now, what does it mean, there is much treasure in the house of the righteous? Well, the Ibn Ezra, classic commentator, puts the focus on what it means to have a storehouse. He actually says the word chosen means a full otzar, you know, storehouse. Fine, you got resource. The Mitsudat David actually puts the emphasis on the resulting security. He says, right? What does it mean that you have this full storehouse? That you're super strong and you'll never be destroyed. And when we put the two together, we can see that chosen is the strength we gain from having deep stores to lean on. Now, that's a very important insight because, of course, it begs the question of where these stores come from, which we'll get to. But before we do, I just want to note that there's actually a warning built into this notion of chosen that appears only a few chapters later in Proverbs in Mishle. Because there it says, ki lo leolam chosen, right? Right? Chosen doesn't last forever. Property, wealth, doesn't last forever. Or a crown for all generations. Meaning what? Well, you know, it's interesting that this particular verse is quoted in a midrash, in a rabbinic exploration that appears in many places. As a good thing to say, to keep yourself humble in a moment of glory. And not just any moment of glory. In the moment of glory that we might gain through the achievement of and recognition of hard work. We have to remind ourselves, lo leolam chosen. And this touches my heart when I think about our current situation, right? The Jewish people, and particularly the state of Israel, had gathered a storehouse of strength based on our military might and the perception of our military might. And that bubble got burst not so long ago. That's its own discussion, but what I do want to use it to point out is that accumulated wealth doesn't last forever. Accumulated resource and the strength which it provides has to be continually checked and renewed. And something we're going to see over the long run in our exploration of all the heroic qualities is that each one has what's called its tikkun and its kilkul. It has its right expression and its corrupt manifestation. When it comes to Hosen, well, right now, it's the sense of security and strength that we have, that we get from having deep stores to lean on. What's its corrupt manifestation? the arrogance and lack of awareness which can result from that as well. Now, there's more to Hosen than this, right? If you look in Amos, actually one of my 
favorite prophets, you must know. He says in the name of the Lord, I have destroyed the Emirates from before you. Who are as tall as the cedars of Lebanon. And were as powerful, as mighty as an oak tree. Because Hosen bespeaks a quality of strength that comes through a slow but relentless commitment to growth. Now notice in the verse the difference between the loftiness of the cedars, they grow upwards as a sign of their strength, and the hosen of the oak tree. We're not talking about a pine here. If you ever lived with a wood-burning stove or have just spent more than a little bit of time around a campfire, then you know the power of an oak tree. It's the potential stored in hard wood. When it gets lit, it burns on and on. There's an enormous energy represented by the determination of the oak tree to live. You know, there's a metaphor here, which may be obvious to those of you who've done a little bit of forestry, if you're out there, right? Tree rings are the accumulated layers of life. That's how a tree grows from its core outwards in layers. But here's the key. Even the worst of them, the rings that you look at that look shriveled, bespeak drought, maybe even blight, very difficult aspects of life, even the worst of those rings become part of a stronger whole so long as you keep growing and build upon them. So Hosen isn't just the strength that we gain through our accumulated resources. I'm sitting on a big, fat bank account, and therefore I can weather the storms to come. It's the strength accumulated through the unending determination to live and grow. Maybe a story will illustrate. I remember when I first came to Jerusalem, I lived through what I thought at the time would be the worst war that I'd ever see. That was the Oslo War that some people like to call the Second Intifada. Bombings in the major cities of Israel every single week, sometimes on a daily basis. And one day, I walked into the Gemara class that I was part of the morning after a double bombing in Zion Square in Kikartzion. You may recall it if you're old enough. It was terrible. A bunch of teenagers who used to hang out all the time at that spot were murdered by a bomb on Motzei Shabbat. And then there was a second bomb set to go off when the terrorists knew that the security and rescue forces would arrive. Really an awful, awful thing. So I walked into class the next morning and I sat down and I looked at my teacher and I said, how are we supposed to learn when there's blood flowing in the streets of Jerusalem? Right? How are we supposed to function today when we know that there's a war happening all around us? And it doesn't matter to me which part of that war moves you. You think we're not fighting hard enough? You think we're fighting too hard? You think it's tragic? You think it's noble? It's just disturbing. It's hard to focus on living life and growing when you know that there is death swirling around you. How, I said, are we supposed to learn when blood's flowing in the streets of Jerusalem? And his answer in a simple sense is, well, listen, this is what Jews have always done, right? For 2,500 years, he said, through all the tragedies, some of which happened to us as objects, some of which we were warriors, subjects fighting for our survival, the one thing we never ceased to do was learn and grow. So Chosen, that power of the oak tree, is no matter what comes, no matter what winds may blow, what drought may threaten, what blight may touch you, never stop growing. So Chosen appears actually in another fascinating place in the book of Isaiah. The verse says, and the faith of your time shall be the strength of salvation. There's our chosen. Wisdom and knowledge 
Fear of the Lord, that is his treasured storehouse. Now, it's a verse that deserves its own look. Isaiah 33, 6. Spend some time with it. For now, we're focused, of course, on Hosen. Rashi, the classic 11th century commentator, says, well, what does this mean? What's emunat itecha, or the faith of your times? An important question for our day. He says, you had faith. You were faithful to God. In all the times that passed over you, but Yeshua, and you looked toward the coming redemption. Right? That expectation itself will be a source of strength. Your faith and your expectation that this process is leading toward redemption is itself a source of strength. I mean, think back to my metaphor of the canoe. I was focused, of course, on our present time when we have one foot in the boat, one foot on shore, and how challenging it is and how important resilience is when it comes to understanding the rocky road that we are experiencing. But I have to tell you truth, that when I'm feeling challenged in my faith, and it happens sometimes on a daily basis, I often ask myself, how could I stumble now? I mean, it's all well and good to focus on the difficulty of having one foot in the boat and one foot on the shore as opposed to being secure floating down the river. But the reality is I'd rather be living now than in any other time in the last 2,500 years of Jewish history, despite the difficulties, right? Why? Because we're tasting redemption around us. So I say, how could I stumble now? Because all of those Jews for 2,000 years sat secure in their faith and in their commitment and all the difficulties that passed over them, whether it was the Inquisition, whether it was the blood libels, whether it was the Holocaust and all the other things that we could list did not cause them to stumble. Now, I'm not saying guilt. Boy, 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 how could I be so weak when they were so strong? I'm trying to tap that accumulated strength, that sense of intergenerational commitment, because emunah is not some intellectual concept. Saying that I have faith isn't checking a box that I'm on the team. It's a true experience of the momentum in life, which is gained from living the intergenerational commitment to bring redemption to be. You know, I tell my children all the time when we face difficulties that there's a promise to the people of Israel and through us to the world as a whole, that redemption will come. But make no mistake, that's a promise to the whole, not to the particular, not to you or I. Now, speaking of children, this verse from Isaiah, one of our sources for understanding what Chosen really is, becomes a fundamental frame in the hands of our sages. I hope you know that there are six orders of the Mishnah, right? There are six fundamental structures in the architecture of the oral law, which was crafted by our sages, meant to guide us in translating values and visions into concrete behavior, be that the divine values and visions, or those that bubble up from below through human experience. And thus, these fundamental structures are crucial in our mission to bring creation to its fullest possible flower. Remember, the quest of the Jewish hero is for the goodness of creation itself. And the sages use this verse from Isaiah as a mnemonic, a way in which they encapsulate these six orders in order to tell us their essentials before they dive into the, let's just say, exhaustive detail which the oral law does provide. You can look it up in the Gemara in Shabbat 31a. Rish Lakish says, well, why does the verse give all this list? He says, well, each one of these words, all that, 
Each one represents a different order of the Mishnah. I won't take you through it all, but he says, Chosen zeseder nashim. Chosen is the order of women, which is the order of family law. Well, why does Chosen, our sense of accumulated strength, gained through ongoing determination to live and grow, of the power and security which come from a base of resource, why would this be Seder Nashim? Why would it relate to family? Well, the answer comes once again in Rashi. He says, well, Chosen is actually Lashon Yorshim. Chosen actually, elsewhere in Aramaic at least, is used to mean those who inherit. And it's through women that your inheritors are born. Now, that may seem stunningly obvious, but what Rashi is telling us is actually quite profound. Chosen is the strength which comes from taking one's place in an intergenerational story. We spoke in the last heroic thought about Am Hanetzach, the eternal people. Am Hanetzach lo auka. The eternal people doesn't fear the long road. Well, one of the ways you survive and thrive on the long road, especially when you're passing through the rocky parts, is by investing in the generations to come. Building a family with all the effort it takes, can be an enormous source of strength. I mean, having children at all is really the ultimate expression of optimism that there's a world worthy of being built down the road. But I can tell you something, that once your children start to grow up and you see who they become, they can be the ultimate source of optimism as well. I'll tell you a story that happened to me this week about dancing at a wedding. Friends whose daughter is now 21, was getting married. Yeah, we're getting to that age. We've passed the other stages. Please, God, we've got time before the funeral start. Please, God, please, God. But there we are dancing at this wedding that had been delayed for three months. Why? Because the groom, the chatan, is a commander in the ground forces. And you are probably aware that the last few months have been, let's just say, quite busy for people of his profession. But there we were, after three months in Gaza, dancing. And of course, most of his friends were in the army as well. There were young men in uniform. There were young men with weapons out of uniform. There were a couple in wheelchairs recovering from their injuries. And we were all dancing. Now, I want to say, we weren't dancing. They weren't dancing, despite the friends that they had lost and the pain they had felt and the difficulty they had faced. They were dancing because of that loss pain and difficulty. They're dancing for their own sake and for the sake of all those who could no longer dance. And it came to me as we were going round and round on the dance floor that we were all dancing for the sake of those yet to come. Because in our belief that we've taken our place in the intergenerational story came a chosen, a resilience which is rooted in the determination that the music I hear now will be playing for generations to come. So Chosen is accumulated strength. It's the deep stores which I've built up and perhaps even inherited. And this means it's ultimately a product of a will that extends beyond my immediate situation or even beyond my generation. Chosen is the strength that comes from having the will to live and grow, which have to come before the storm that threatens me in the moment. If you have material resource to lean on when you're facing difficulties, that means that material resource was a valuable pursuit for you, your family, your community, or society before this moment. If you've got communication tools and emotional awareness that help you engage the problems that you face, well, so too. It was important to you and your society. 
your family, your institutions, right? There's no question. If you have emuna, if you have a sense of faithfulness to the infinite that give you life even when you face death, then you've tapped into the largest storehouse of all, the infinite, right? Where emuna is, of course, always crucial. So choset is inherited strength that really is inherited will. And again, inherited doesn't mean to the exclusion of accumulated. There's no question that resilience, that chosen can be built. I can gather stores of strength. And over a lifetime of work, I can build true resilience as opposed to just gaining some tools for survival. I just mean that the particular power expressed by chosen is that which is gained by tapping into a larger reservoir. And those reservoirs always exist as an expression of a larger will, one that was born outside of the challenging situation which I face right now. Whether I exercise that will over my personal lifetime or it's reflective of inherited value. So if we want to understand how Hosen is exercised, how we can rely upon it, and even how we can build it up, then we need to understand that will is always expressed through what are called the kohot ha-nefesh, the powers of your nefesh. Call them mental processes, emotional capacities, and physical powers. Now, in our ongoing journey to understand Jewish heroism, at some point or another, we're going to have to dive into the kohot ha-nefesh. Remembering, of course, that the definition of heroism on which we're operating is mesirut nefesh the ma'an tov, the going beyond, growing beyond your limited sense of self for the sake of the goodness of creation. And that nefesh, that limited self, has specific powers through which it's manifest. The Rambam, great 12th century sage, speaks about five kohot ha-nefesh. He talks about the uh, tzomech, let's say the vital, living, thriving force, the margish, your emotive you know, feelings, hamidame, your imaginative capacity, an important one for the Rambam, hamit orer, that which arouses you in your engagement with the world, and the sikhli, your intellectual. Now, recall that the nefesh, as we've defined it, is the vital force. It's where the tire hits the road in terms of the relationship between body and soul, and it finds expression through these kohot, these powers. Which is not to say the broader aspects of soul, like ruach and neshama, don't as well. It's just to point out that our behavior, and remember, heroes are made through their behavior. Our behavior is made up of actions, physiology, emotion, and thought. And that's why mental resilience in modern Hebrew is called chosen nafshi. You've got resources of the nefesh. And so I want to close with just one or two thoughts on how our definition of chosen as the strength we gain from tapping accumulated resource might help us weather the current storm. Whether it's a storm you face as individual or the storm that we face as a people or really the storms that as a planet we are all undergoing. In essence, really, the answer is Resilience means you must tap into something larger than yourself with each of those kohot ha-nefesh. I'm not going to go through them all. Time is short. The work is large. The master is passing. But contact me, robmikefoyer, gmail.com, robmikefoyer on Facebook. If you want to engage in a process of spiritual counseling, I have a tremendous belief in the power of Torah and human wisdom to help you become the person that you desire to be and overcome the challenges you face. For now... I will say a word about action and thought and a specific tension that often lies between them. Now, action, of course, is the easiest. It goes without saying that physical health is a resource that has to be cultivated and maintained. I won't tell you the obvious to get more sleep, exercise, and be healthy, but sleep, exercise, and eat healthy 
It's not a joke. There's no greater resource than that. But beyond this, it's a call to take action in the face of the challenges which threaten you. Resilience doesn't come from closing down. It comes from engaging. Ruf Soloveitchik expressed this beautifully, how every difficult aspect of life is actually a call to action. He says, We don't stand in shock by the, let's say, wondrous, and what he means is incomprehensible ways of God in the world. Right? Rather, we need to contemplate the path of humanity and where we're going to go when suffering leaps upon us. Right? Don't say, why is this happening? How could God say rather, what am I supposed to do now? We don't ask what caused the evil or to what purpose it has come. Rather, how do we fix it and actually elevate it into a source of transformation? How should a person act, he says, in the face of pain? That's what actually matters, right? Not how we're going to explain our suffering. In a simple sense, in Hebrew we say, don't ask lama, don't ask why, but rather lima, for what? What am I being called to by the difficulties I face? Because when we face a challenge that's large enough to bend us toward our breaking point, which is when resilience is so important, don't waste energy obsessing about why it has happened. Ask what you can do in response. By the way, it's especially effective to take action on behalf of others. This is why there's been such an amazing wave of volunteerism here in our country. And I know from speaking to others and myself is that volunteering does two things. It gives you a sense of agency. I can take action in the face of difficulties which are often larger than me, but it also gives you a sense of connection and community. By helping others, I meet my emotional needs and build emotional resilience as well. Now, that being said, I want to be clear. When I say don't ask why, I'm not telling you to dismiss our need to understand. Understanding is also a very important tool of resilience. What I'm saying is that in the face of the suffering, asking why will only produce one of two results. Either I can't get an answer of why this is happening, in which case, why ask? Or I might get an answer, and that's just as dangerous. I mean, imagine you could get an answer from God about why God allowed the horrors to unfold on October 7th, or why God allowed the Holocaust. Would there be any answer that would make you feel closer, that would bring you any comfort? I think not. Now, that being said, never forget Nietzsche's powerful quote, he said, as long as a person has a why to live, they can bear almost any how, right? Or the experience of Viktor Frankl in the Nazi death camps, where he saw that it was those who had a sense of meaning who survived, not actually the most physical resource. If you have not read Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, now is probably a good time to open it up. See the difference? Mental resilience doesn't come from asking why and trying to understand the suffering which has happened to me now. It comes from understanding the story that gets me out of bed every morning. It comes from deepening my experience of that meaningful story as I walk through the day and as I lay down at night. So therefore, don't wait until you're suffering to ask yourself why life matters. In fact, this needs to be an investment on a daily basis. 
because a hero has a storehouse of why, has a deep faith. And I'm not going to prejudice your understanding with what that faith must be. It can be a faith in God. It can be a faith in humanity. It can be faith in the importance of life itself. What it needs to be is a why which can guide you through the what you're experiencing and in fact tell you how it is that you can find the resilience to overcome every challenge because life is a heroic journey. And when you're headed out on that quest, equip yourself with all the qualities which can make you into the hero who you need to be in order to overcome and bring about the goodness which is not yet in the world. Let it be soon. Let it be now. So I want to thank all the folks that are listening. I want to invite you to go to jewishheroism.com, the new website. You'll see the videos there, supplementary videos and source sheet stuff that you aren't going to find elsewhere. You'll also happen to see a button in the upper right-hand corner that says donate. If you want to help make this project grow and spread, give a donation there. It's tax-free for the Americans. I also want to thank all those folks out there who are listening and giving their moral support, robmikefoyer at gmail.com. Send me your thoughts. Also on Facebook, I'm happy to be there. New Instagram. You can check out Jewish Heroism Project on Instagram. There's a bunch of short videos coming out, and that's one of the only places you'll find them. And I want to thank you for listening. I'm Rob Mike Foyer, and this is the Jewish Heroism Project. <laughs>